free week has given Albion a chance to regroup ahead of a key run of fixtures. The action returns on Saturday and we'll be looking ahead to that clash with Plymouth. The investment and takeover talk and a number of other key issues on this week's Baggies broadcast. Hello Albion fans and welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast with me, Johnny Drury and as always the ENS's main man, the Baggies correspondent, Mr Lewis Cox. Coxie, how are you pal? All refreshed after your little weekend away on the North Wales coast? Johnny, uh, yes, yeah, all good, all good. Still, um, listeners would have caught last time my frustration with the international break and as the days go past it just grows and grows and grows so yeah I uh, had a great weekend but sick of pointless international <laughs> not not pointless for all is it I suppose you know Scott yeah, Wales had some big big weekends didn't they but my oh god it grinds my gears how I'm going to cope in November when the third one comes along I don't know yet but uh, yeah we're, we're what Monday so what five days away from proper action returning so um, we'll finally have some stuff to get our teeth sunk into, but you know we'll we'll, um, we'll get through this next forty minutes for our dear listeners, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. proper football does return indeed. Um, but despite that international break, we've got plenty to discuss. Um, we'll talk things like Daryl DK to Plymouth to Alex Mowat. I'll be fans would have seen a lot about um, about those two players in the Express Star certainly today. Anyway, on this uh, very cold Monday morning, we're going to talk about the weather in a in a little while, um, and Albion <laughs> fans will see. Some clips of this podcast that we put out that I am proper togged up. It's a bit cold up here on the uh, Shropshire Welsh border. Uh, but we're going to talk about that busy run of fixtures. We're also going to do a, well, we'll celebrate for Coxie because he got a he got a rare victory in this week's uh, TJ Smithy Dreary versus Cox quiz. It's a very good performance, which you'll hear of later on. Um, and I fully deserve to get beaten after all the, uh, the words I was coming out with. You'll hear more of that uh, later on. We'll talk all your questions and take your predictions of this run. Um, but we're going to start, Coxie, with um, with Dal DK. It's a top story, top West Brom story on the ENS website um, today. Carlos Corbran with a few quotes on DK's um, recovery. I know you put out in your newsletter comment today, if Albion fans who signed up to our newsletter will know, um, it, Carlos has used the old cliche, like a new signing in January. Well, it'll be when he returns in January, it'll be almost two years since he arrived at the club and he's probably been a new <laughs> signing on about three occasions now. Um, but he will be, yeah. only, you know, it's going to be such a boost. Um, I've got a few other questions on DK, but just overall, it is going to be a big boost given the fact that the injuries that Albion have had and the bad luck that the big man himself has had. Well, first of all, how much do football fans hate that he will be like a new signing? And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of them, because a lot of them isn't there? Them, yeah, I'm 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 one of them. It's one of the worst cliches around. And have you seen so, the social media account? There's a guy who puts like uh, clips together for yeah, managers yeah, and players about yeah, cliches and yeah. stuff. And there's a lot on there. We'll have to discuss them further in in a few weeks' time because is it Brian's good? Is it on Twitter? That's the one. Yeah, and it's yeah. like yeah, I'm t- I can't off the top of my head. I can't think of any of them, but I'll have a look for uh, for later in the podcast. But uh, yeah, the uh, was one of them um, there or thereabouts. Or, there or thereabouts, uh, which is a, a Steve a recent, Bruce classic. Yeah, and a recent one was. Um, Oh, what did I enjoy last week? It was, uh, oh, he's not pulling up any trees. That pulling was up it, any trees. It? Yeah, um, yeah. What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, an injured player returning as like a new signing is not a fun one. Uh, don't, Carlos Corbran didn't sort of say that verbatim. He he said, you know, DK is basically back in the new year, so don't expect too much, if anything, before then. Um, and he, he basically sort of did a bit of a wry smile and suggested, you know, what... January transfer window time, you know, DK will be like our new signing type thing. And, you know, we, we all know, obviously, Albion's situation. Uh, cash won't be splashed in the new year as uh, as things continue to progress or, or not progress on the ownership front. And, you know, obviously, we know the head coach is working with severe restraints, hands tied behind his back in that department. So, um, yeah, I, I suppose in that regard, you know, he, he will feel like coming back into it hasn't been available for the whole season so far. An element of having a new player. Um, there's not a new signing. There have been big comebacks for him before, haven't there? This is his third serious major injury in under two years at Albion. And um, it's been, as I wrote in, in today's report, it's been it's been hell for him, hasn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, I remember interviewing him after his comeback from the second big injury. He scored a 
you know, scored a few goals and um, his mindset was so unbelievably positive considering. Um, it almost never dawned on it, on any of us that he'd have a third so soon. So um, intrigued to see how he does when he does get back, obviously not for a couple of months yet and what his mindset is about it. Um, but yeah, all being well, when he does return, Josh Madger will be around it. Obviously, hopefully Swift will be playing regularly again and Sarmiento. So once Albion do have all of their attacking players back, it's 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 quite a front line, certainly relative to what they've, what they've got now. You know, it's so much more firepower than is around and available at the moment. So um, should mean well for Corbin. Yeah, I don't want to say, you know, I look at DK's time at Albion. You know, he arrived, you know, in, in January. Um, last, 21. 21, January 20. No, no, January yeah, no, no, no. 22. 22. January 22. Sorry, 22. Sorry. Yeah. January 22. Signed a four and a half year deal. Um, he got that injury in the in, in his home debut against Peterborough, which left him out for the season. Then he got that injury. He, he had a really good cameo against Middlesbrough um, on the opening day of last season, um, and then got an injury in training. Came back, and then he had this injury against Stoke last season. That's, that's three big injuries. Now he signed a four and a half year deal at Albion, which means he's out of contract. Um, by my numbers in the middle of uh, the summer of 2026. Um, so it's, you know, we still got a long way to go on that. However, and I don't want to call it, that. I think saying last chance saloon is a bit too far, but can DK afford another big injury now, Coxie? Um, I, I don't think so, really. Um, I, I don't think he can. Um, it'd be interesting to know from a sports science and medical point of view, how much this has all impacted his body physically and how much his body can take of this. I suppose, you know, they've all been different injuries, haven't they? Hamstring, quad, you know, so thigh and, and obviously Achilles now. So two muscles and one um, different injury. Uh, so mentally, that's another factor, isn't it, for him? Uh, um, but as I say, last time when we spoke to him, he's such a, such a positive, um, strong character in that regard. But in terms of his Albion career, uh, the thing with DK is age is on his side, which is relevant, isn't it? You almost, I've said this before, get surprised when you see how old or how young he is, I should say. Still 23. Um, and that contract, that's, that's, that's still a fair amount of time, isn't it? It's not like his contract's up next summer, 24, um, even 25. So, yeah, he still has a full, more than a full season. Uh, plenty more than a full season to go. So he does have time and age on his side. However, in terms of, I don't know, the, the feeling of him from the supporters, perhaps, um, externally, uh, it's hard to speak from from internally. There, obviously, there, there'll be some concerns about him having to come back from a big one again. But look, it's, it's a, the proof's in the pudding. It's about how he comes back in the new year and how he hits the ground running in, in, in the hope that he does. I think he did did that last what was it last november december either side of the world cup when he got back from that that thigh injury I, you know came back just before the world cup didn't he then the other side of it up at sunderland scored that great goal and sort of hit the ground running really I think got his seven goals in the space of a few months and obviously that that horror day in stoke in april with his achilles which is i mean a, a rupture of the achilles is a, is a huge injury isn't it i remember at the time reporting sort of a lot alongside your ACLs with the knee it's right up there in terms of damaging setbacks and we didn't really quite know at the time I don't think how how uh, timely it would be in terms of timescales I think you know it was mooted sort of the back end of 23 in terms of the calendar year obviously we're kind of at that now aren't we and, and it, we've been told the new year so by the time that comes around you know you're talking eight eight months plus um that's that's significant, isn't it? And and when you talk about the Achilles injury, it's for a powerful player, an athletic player, you know, a, a big, sizable guy like DK, that could have some real, you know, effect that that kind of injury. So he needs to show that he can put that behind him physically and get over that. And um, and I, I would say, you know, his future at the club depends on how he can get over that and hit the ground running. And if between January and the end of the season, Touchwood, there are no more serious problems, he can get in the goals like he did last season, obviously just without the the big negative of another injury at the end of it. Then I think, we're, you know, I think DK and Albion are in a decent place with him. Um, 
but obviously it's as I said at the top it's been such a immeasurably difficult time for him here you know coming to a new culture new country all right he's got the language but you know you do feel for him massively I, I mean I do I don't know how supporters look at it you know it came with a price tag didn't he which isn't his fault well ultimately I think when we've seen him we've seen what he can do we've seen him promise we've seen him deliver in terms of goals he scored some crucial goals didn't he in those few months last season and you know we've just got to Got to hope when he comes back over this. This this is the most serious of the, the injuries he's had so far, I'd say. So, um, big challenge and test for him to deliver when he comes back, I guess. And there, there can't be that much expectation. You know, we can't expect him to have scored three goals in three games on his return. It's going to take into February, isn't it? Maybe even March, unfortunately, before you know, he's sort of back up to sharpness and speed. But it does have to show he can get over it. I think uh, the, the price tag argument brings me on to the, the, the next sort of point uh, but just to make a point on what you've said there it's interesting isn't it fans will look at the at the price tag quite you know rightly so Arvin spent seven million pound on, on Daryl BK um, and say you know he hasn't lived up to that but equally you know if Arvin were paid the same as they paid for Brandon Thomas Asante for DK and he'd had three injuries fans probably wouldn't be as you know frustrated with you know his injury record and his time at Albion but I just want to bring Albion fans will be screaming at this. I just want to bring Gouch and Lyon into the into the equation here because you know we talked, you know we know that Albion at the moment. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe I might have a bit of pace to get in behind. I don't think he's going to be a target man. Um, <laughs> but just on a serious note, you know we talk we've talked for ages, haven't we, about lack of investment in Albion, and now we're talking about you know potential outside investment and a takeover. Now we haven't seen the only investment we've seen in the Albion squad in terms of decent money since probably the summer where Slavin Bilic took over and Albion spent quite a bit on, you know, the likes of Charlie Austin and Kenza Hall, is the DK, you know, the DK transfer, you know, lie stumped up £7 million for that deal. And it's, for me, it's quite ironic that that is the transfer that, you know, it just hasn't worked. I think it's some, it doesn't sum up Lai's time in charge of Albion because, you know, he's done an awful lot of things wrong. But I think it's just that in a way I feel, I don't want to say I feel sorry for Gouch and Lai because of the state that Albion are in at the moment, but the last or one of the biggest investments he's made, you know, post the long years in the Premier League is Daryl DK. And it just, so far, it hasn't worked through through injury yeah, and, yeah. And, and bad luck, really. Yeah, I know the point you're making. There's a heavy sense of irony in that, isn't there? I, I guess, um, you know, the one time, obviously, finances have been, been splashed as he tried to uh, tried to back the manager at the time. Um, and it's yes, yeah, not, not backfired, but clearly when you make a big investment, you do the the minimum you want is them available, isn't it? And yeah. uh, featuring regularly, and that that hasn't happened. And uh, that's not the yeah the price tag isn't DK's fault, the injuries aren't DK's fault. Um, but that's the way it goes, I suppose. There's a little lesson in it as well, and not that not that Albion fans need that, but I mean, football fans in general that just you know a, a price tag and the size of a fee means. Absolutely nothing realistically does it. You know, certainly at, at Albion's level, at the championship level, you know, most of the Premier League, what, what does a price tag mean? It's just, it's just not, it's, it doesn't carry any relevance to whether a player is going to be a success. Um, yeah, so just hope, I, I just hope that there's still a successful Albion career ahead for DK and and I do believe there can be. I do, based on what I saw last season and um, just hope that he can get back to uh, get back to somewhere near his best or his best after this one. Coxie, I'm going to put you in a. I'm going to do this to Albion fans on Thursday. We've got a baggage broadcast fan chat show on Thursday. I'm going to ask them the same question. Uh, now it seems all we've been talking about in recent weeks is, is injuries. Um, if you're obviously talking about the Daryl DK one just now, we've got John Swift out for for a few weeks. We've got Josh Madger out for a few weeks. Um, Adam Reach was also a more longer term one as well, uh, and I'm sure you'll. Correct me if there's any other longer ones, but in an ideal world, if you were if you had a magic wand right now and you could bring one of those players back for Saturday, fully fit and up to speed and match fit, who would you pick and why? Good question. I like that. Um, it's a bit. 
it's between I'm trying to decide between Swift or DK. I'm I'm tempted to say DK because I think we could really see him dominate a defence like Plymouth. Um, however, Swift has obviously been so good and such an integral part of the season. Um, I'll say DK. I'll say DK because I think him returning would bring a, a big roar of optimism, wouldn't it? Clearly, um, see what he can, you know, remind everyone what he could do, especially if he was fully fit, as you say. Um, so I'll go with. I, I'll go with DK. Um, Swift is close and a, a good runner-up, but there are a few options, aren't there? There are there are a few options, um, but yeah, I'll say DK. What about you? Probably say Swift, just for the yeah, simple fact that I think we've, pro- we've probably seen in recent weeks. You know, obviously the Birmingham result didn't go for Albion, but we've seen in recent weeks that Albion can, although you want a prolific front-line player, which you'll need over the course of a season, um, or certainly in parts, I think. They can sort of get away with it with with Swift on top form as we've seen in recent weeks. Um, yeah, I just thought with, with again with DK, you know, Brandon Thomas Santos had a t- tough couple of games, hasn't he? Hasn't quite gone for him. And yes, I could could have picked Swift, and his creativity's been great, but mm. just a little bit lacking in front of him at the moment in terms of that end product. So I just thought, you know, I'll, I'll rely on the the Wallaces, the Matt Phillips of this world, Moat. And look to supply someone new. Basically, that that was my thought process. But yeah, Swift is a you know clearly the the other shout. I think. Yeah, we've talked about Alex Mower a lot on the recent episodes. Coming to the coming to the side, done really well on form. Now I want to talk about well, Carlos Corbran this week sort of elevated himself into the elite of manager analogies with his interview that he gave about Alex Mower. He's up there with Ian Holloway's analogy of getting a. Getting a late, I think it was a late draw or a late win. Um, was like pulling on a night out and Jose Mourinho about cracking eggs to make an omelette. I'm just going to read you out what Carlos Corbrand said about Alex Moa and his apple analogy. Um, speaking to the press, he said, so it's a question of time. You can watch an apple with young players and think, oof, it's going to be a very nice apple. But if you take the apple before the apple is ready, you can be saying, what kind of apple is this? Is this still not a ready apple? The same with him? No. If you leave the apple there, one day the apple is on the floor and not there because the moment of the good apple finishes, finished and it disappears. This happens with play, with players sometimes. Or sometimes you can have another good apple and the other one needs to wait because you're eating another one that's in perfect condition. I explained the process like that with him. Now, I imagine Alex Moa in that meeting might have been as confused as I was reading this analogy, but it does sort of make sense. And I also wish I'd heard Carlos Corbran go, oof, it's going to be a very nice apple. Um, I have to say, <laughs> uh, honestly, the, the 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 transcript that sometimes, um, you know, and, and full credit to Corbran or, or any manager who speaks in his second language, um, you know, I mean, I don't speak a word of a foreign language, so, you know, well beyond me. But um, sometimes... Teach you a bit of Welsh you, one day, pal. Teach you a yeah, bit of Welsh. Yeah, okay. I only know the basics. I only know about six words as well. Um, (laughs) But sometimes, yeah, typing out his quotes can be a little bit difficult. You have to sort of um, maybe unmuddle a few words or whatever. But that that anecdote was very un-Corbran-esque, I have to say. He doesn't usually sort of, I don't know, maybe back his English to go to that, those kind of anecdotes. But but the way he, um, the way he spoke it and sort of, um, Acted it out almost. I mean, he he was given the impression that next to was he pretended <laughs> to pick apples yeah, from the tray. Well, well, yeah, that next to him in the <laughs> you know the the manager's press desk in at the training ground was the tree, and he was sort of looking up to it and like sort of you know Super. gesticulating to this a- apple. It was quite incredible, really. Um, <laughs> and uh, my favourite the the bit where you said and this apple apple oofed the the bit where he makes that. <laughs> that sound. I mean, how I, I don't know how you transcribe that, so I just had my best go. But it's really quite amusing, I've got to say. It's he, he does that um, that little sort of sound. It's when he's kind of um, taken by something, when he's impressed by something. Um, <laughs> it's like almost like we might say like foie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of Corbrand's version of that, and it's it's quite funny, um, although quite hard to <laughs> type out. Yeah. <laughs> But the, the the funniest part was then um, we interviewed Alex Mower after after that uh, bit with the head coach and tried to relay to Mower said analogy, and he just looked at us like we 
you know, like we'd lost our minds basically. And <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I tried to press Alex Moore on what it was, um, what it was like to feel like a ripened apple, but yeah, you know, um, we carried some Moat quotes actually online as well today, didn't we? About, uh, about having to be patient and bide his time. But yeah, that was amusing from Corbin and, and nice to, nice to his English when it comes to football interviews is quite amazing. Obviously people listening to this might think, well, I, you know, struggle a bit to understand him, but he speaks quickly. You know, that that's clearly his, from his mother tongue, his home language, they, they, they can and tend to speak quickly, don't they? So even in his, his English, when it comes to Corbin, when it comes to football, Corbin can be very quick and difficult to pick up. But, you know, the, the fortunate ones, the likes of us, been able to experience him for long enough now almost exactly a year and uh and, and grasp what what he means type thing but that was a good one that was a good one and uh, that that one will stand out and hopefully there are more to come yeah it's it was interesting to read and you kind of understand what he was saying you know he was just waiting for the right moment to sort of to pick Alex yeah. Moa and what it, what it does show Coxie you know I think there's been a bit of a split in Albion fans you know Alex Moa had a very good start to his, his West Brom career sort of tailed off got an injury in the the back end of Steve Bruce's sort of first season at the club um, went out on loan, did really well in pre-season. I know fa- some fans were screaming for him to get a chance. Some fans maybe thought that chance had gone, and he wasn't one of Moet's favourites. But it does show how you know how quickly things can change. And if a player finds himself out of the team, it doesn't necessarily mean that his career at the club is over. Um, it means he's just got to wait for the right time. Corbrand's You've got to credit Corban. He's waited. He's given his. He could have maybe brought him in a little bit earlier, but it seems like he's brought him in just at the right time. You know, and he's hitting some. He's hit some really good form at the moment. You know, arguably apart from John Swift, he's probably Albion's most informed midfielder at the moment. Yeah, I mean, he did say a bit later on in that interview, Corbran, just quickly. Um, given all of that, given waiting for the perfect moment, not wanting to pick Moat too early or too late, waiting for the perfect time. He did say, look, given Moat's qualities and certainly what he's seen from him in pre-season, where he's very good. He did say, look, could I have probably picked him earlier? Probably, yeah, probably. But, you know, who knows? Kushler and Malumbi has been Corbin's sort of go-to double act for the most of his time in charge, hasn't it? So, you know, Moet's had to be patient. And he, as I say, he spoke about that today uh, online and in the ENS. But you're right, Johnny. Um, yeah, his loan to Borough was interesting last season, wasn't it? He quite clearly didn't feature anywhere near Bruce's plans. Um yeah, Bruce should be able to answer why. Maybe, maybe a bit of that came with the um, the financial side of it. Yeah, that, that that would have been a way to free up certainly a, a fair bit of the wage below. I would suggest to have to have Mo out a you know a big hitting champ rival realistically, and um, to take on quite a significant chunk of Mo's wages. But I think Corbrand saw it when he came in and was sort of analysing what Mo what Kipper could do and what he could or more importantly couldn't do in the window. Was basically like these are our players. These are, you know, showing for Middlesbrough and Cardiff, you know, and have shown previously that they can be championship players. And you know, we can't be blase over these. We need to utilise these. And I, I remember me and you speaking early in the, the summer when we were talking about players that might go, and you're saying like, Albion can't afford to stockpile or hold on to any of these players. That you know, should Cardiff be interested in Kipra or whoever be interested in Moa, Albion have to, you know respect every offer and then they yeah. did you know they needed to raise whatever fees certainly get the wage bill down which they still need to do but realistically I've been struggled to move for any players didn't they yeah struggled to bring any anyone in bar obviously Madger is a free and then then some loans but um it, it was that and it was those numbers and needing a squad of so many that it was a big part in keeping them aboard I would say you know they couldn't afford to go out and probably bring players of that calibre in so why not utilise the players that are already here and obviously that takes the head coach you know he's seen Kipper as a player who can handle the ball and Corbin likes that doesn't he so he's seen a real project he can work with he's seen Moa who's a left-footed midfield technician he's a very good passer of the ball so he's probably thought well that's that could well be a bit of me as well and it kind of, it kind of makes sense when you think about it like that, doesn't it? But it, it's a good point, Johnny, about how you know just because you farmed out on loan, even as a senior pro, it doesn't mean you're you're done. Obviously, things change in football all the time, don't they? Not least managers who come with complete. You know, I think Bruce to Corbrand doesn't get much uh, much different, does it, in terms of ends of the the scale and the spectrum? So, yeah, good lifelines for Kipper and Moa, and all of a sudden, this season, they're looking like big parts of it, isn't it? Which which I would say is interesting because I think I'm right in saying both out of contract next summer. 
Um, and that, that's a debate for another day. Don't get me wrong. There's a dozen players out of contract next summer, and some, you know, some tricky decisions. But you know, it all comes down to the financial situation, doesn't it? I suppose. Yeah, very um, aptly that you've mentioned Steve Bruce there. So I've just inserted something into our into our script or our little running order that we have before the podcast. Steve Bruce, shockly linked with a return to management at League Two Gillingham. Um, I only discovered myself this weekend. Steve Bruce, former Jet, I think he started his career at Gillingham. Uh, now, has been out of football since his sacking at West Brom in October last year. Uh, about this time last year, I think, Coxie, I think we were around about this time. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I remember Corbrand's yeah. Brand's first game was the 31st. Yeah, so Corbrand certainly it, came in something like 28th, 29th, for yeah. the end of October. Um, so Bruce's sacking would have been, yeah, fortnight or so before that, wouldn't it? Around then, but yeah, um, he's uh, Bruce was. Um, there was some faint links to the Republic of Ireland job, which is not vacant at the moment, but their manager's on the ropes. Um, and now he looks to be looks to be going in at League Two Gillingham, or potentially, anyways. Bucky's favourite, obviously, he's linked there. You know, reports suggested to a few people at the club want to uh, want to appoint him there. Bit of a shock that one, Cox. It would just spend 30 seconds talking about that. I didn't, to be honest, I probably didn't expect him. Well, he still might not return to management, but I thought his, his management days might be over, but. Maybe he fancies yeah, a little spell um, in League Two. Did Did you pick that one up from uh, from the best got? Did you during your? Do you know what I did? I did. Oh, yeah. I had to give a shout out to actually. To I'm going to give a shout out to my dad, Rob, who uh, who listens to the podcast every week. I give him a ring from from the Walsall game, and he he sort of was talking about Gillingham, and he said, "Oh, Steve Bruce is linked with the Gillingham job." So he's he was my source for that story, which when I googled oh. it was all over the web. Um, well, you've shouted out my uh, you've shouted out my mom enough times on these podcasts, so shout out to Rob. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Mrs. Cox. I'll call him Lewis from now on. Um, <laughs> oh, I will start to at some point. Um, but yeah, oh. Steve Bruce for the potential return to management. We'll have to. Uh, yeah, con- considering they um, they sat Neil Harris, didn't they? And but while third or fourth in League Two, because I know they were splashed a bit of uh, well money uh, over the summer by all accounts and looking to push it, but. Uh, Got a royal stuff in from the super side list, didn't they? They did, they did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I, as Coxie said, I was there. Walsall beat Gillingham 4 1. That was my uh Saturday football fix in the international break. You know, a lot of you baggies fans are out and about in uh, across non league games. I'm gonna bring you a bit of a scouting report now, Coxie. Hopefully, I'm not sure if Ian Pierce listens to the baggies broadcast or any of the Albion scouting network, but if they are, then in January they're looking to uh bring it home and have a little bit of a look at Walsall's eyes of Hutchinson. He's one to keep an eye on, a potential championship player of the future. Bagged a hat-trick for Walsall the other day. Very classy operator. I think he came through the, the youth systems at Brighton and Derby. Um, so if he does join Albion in January, I expect a, a finder's fee um, from the <laughs> Albion board. I know I know finances are a, a little bit tight at the moment, but um, but yeah, potential potential championship player of the future. Um, but yeah, Ian Pearce, if you're listening, might be, might be worth a little bit of a look down at the Pangland Bescott Stadium. Um, in the future. Right, Coxie, time for an advert. Ketland Toaster Man, as we all know, is the proud sponsor of the Baggies broadcast. And today, do you know what we're going to be talking? We're talking about the weather. It's very, very chilly here. Um, Coxie said he had to take his coat off because he didn't want to appear on the Baggies broadcast in a coat. Um, <laughs> I've got, uh, I'm sat in my kitchen today. It's pretty cold. I've got uh, a nice little fleece and a, and a net warmer. Um, and we're going to talk about, well, what you'll need now. The, the cold snap's coming. We haven't got the, the warm weather anymore. Uh, you're going to be looking at oil-filled radiators and the likes. Um, and down at the Catlin Toaster Man, there is a massive range of really good products to keep you nice and toasty during the winter. You can get yourself or get your hands on a Black & Decker oil-filled radiator for just £30. Cox, you're all right today. You're up in uh, you're up in our Telford office today. I, I imagine you're nice and toasty in there. Am I right? Uh, well, the, the aim was to come into an office where the heating would be on, Johnny. I can't lie, save, <laughs> save a few pennies at home. Um, Cost of living yeah, crisis is, snap, is biting <laughs> over there in Telford. Not, not, as, uh, not as warm as I, I might have hoped, but, you know, we soldier on. Um, we soldier on. Yeah, might have to make a trip down to old Ketland Toaster Man. Well, if you do, as we said, he's got a fantastic range of products there. All top brands, the, uh, the graded product specialist over there. So if you want to get your hands on, any heating products or anything in particular, um, head over to the thecatlandtoasterman.co.uk. Or if you want to go in-store, head to Thorns Road in Briley Hill. Right, this is the time of the podcast, which Coxie has been badgering me about all weekend. Um, TJ Smithy returned this week, hasn't been back with her. We, we've had one head-to-head quiz so far this year, which, uh, if Baggies fans will remember, I produced a, a sort of Liverpool-Istanbul-style comeback 
Um, or West Brom Colchester 2007. Albion fans might remember that one. Or 2008, where they come back from three. I think it was three-two down to win four-three in the last minute. That was the uh, the type of comeback I produced. However, I did. I have to say, get a little bit too big for my boots. Uh, me and Coxie sat down to record a, a couple of quizzes with our resident quiz master. Um, and yeah, I talked the talk, but unfortunately, I didn't walk the walk. Although Coxie looked into his crystal ball and produced possibly one of the luckiest answers you'll ever hear <laughs> on a quiz. Um, here it is. We uh, we got together last week, head to head, Coxie against Dreary. And you'll know how we got on from what we've already said, but this is how we got on. Well, the Baggies broadcast quiz. It's been away for a little while. I think Coxie's been away just doing his doing his research, trying to come back. Try, he's fighting, bit of fighting talk off air. He's trying to come back, doing his, uh, his swatting up. And TJ Smith, he's back now. It's, it's round two, Coxie versus... Versus Dreary. Tom, how are you? And what have you got for us today? Yeah, not bad. So I've got a trivia quiz. Again, another head-to-head. How are you feeling, Coxie? How are you, are you feeling, Coxie? Uh, I know you bottled it last time. Briefly for the record, no fighting talk or swatting up off air has <laughs> taken place. So take Johnny's comments with a pinch of salt. You did a Spurs uh, last time, didn't you? You bottled it. You bottled yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Still getting over it, actually. So this might be a bit <laughs> early for me. So let's You had to go to Thailand for two weeks to get over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I spent my uh, honeymoon reading up on Albion. Yeah, so bring it on. Bring it on, Tom. Right, over to you. What have you got for us? So, right then, we've got your trivia quiz. So, we're going to have a six uh, six trivia questions. And we're going to start off with Johnny this time, because Coxie went first last time. Win, win, winner starts first, probably, isn't it? Is it winner start first? Okay. <laughs> winner stays on, is it? Winner stays on, yeah. Right, so your six uh, categories are back in time, managers, Players, Premier League, Championship, and this season. This season. Oh, Johnny, don't take the one I was going to take. We're going to do tactics. Tactical. Scandalous, that is, mate. Scandalous. <laughs> I'm setting wow. myself up for a fall. You should, gonna back, get this wrong. you should back your historical knowledge, mate. <laughs> but I'll leave that to you. <laughs> so, we've got this season. This season, West Brom have conceded 14 goals. How many were conceded in the first half of the game? 14. 14 goals conceded. This is the point where I take ages and Johnny puts pressure on me to hurry up. Nine. Goes to Coxie. Oh, there's no leeway on this. Right, I just check. There's no either side. Okay. I forgot it went to me. Hold on. So I'm going to have to push you. I'm going to have to push you uh, for an answer. <laughs> I can't go through the games because I can't even remember them, which is... No, I tried. I got like three in and I... Yeah. Two months old. Um, 14 goals first off. I'll go... Oh, man. I'll go eight. It is eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get in. No, I'm, goes. I'm always better chasing a lead anyway. We know that from last time. Get in there. Coxie goes one nil up. <laughs> And it's back to Coxie. Read the category. You have back in time, players, Premier League or Championship. I'll take Premier League, please. In West Brom's first season in the Premier League, who did their first win come against? Oh, man. Look at Johnny's licking his lips. I don't know if this is true. I was about seven at the time. It was Uh, in uh, 2002-2003. Yeah, I got the season. Yeah, I feel like I sort of remember it vaguely, but I, it, in the back of my mind, I would never get it. I'm wary of saying a club that wasn't even in the division at the time. Um, uh, do you know what, Mike? I'll go Fulham. <laughs> How the hell has he done that? Is that right? How oh on God. earth has he done that? Oh my God. I have no idea. That was my gut, but I have no idea why. How it was on earth? Wow. Wow. I wasn't even confident they were in the Premier League. This is going to have to go on Twitter. Wow. 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 Pulling it out of the bag. Wow. Well, I'm still. I, I, I had a lead like this last time, so. I might just give you the win for that. Excited. I might just give you the win for that. That's like Darren Brown wow. stuff, that is. 
Yeah, wow. Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Get it. Fulham, 2-0. Oh. Right. <laughs> I'm so worried. How confident were you on that, Johnny? Tom's going to fall off his chair in a bit. Oh, I was confident, yeah. I was pretty confident. Yeah. I, I definitely didn't know that. It was we'll have to put the video out because as soon as Coxie said Fulham, I just my hand, I put my hands on my head. I was like, I want to hear he's done that. <laughs> Jesus. Right, come on, got the work to do. I've set me, to be fair, I've only got myself to blame for chirps and I've set myself up for a massive fall here. So, so steady on. I was, I swear There's, I was there's still four up. questions to go. 3 1 up last time. Right, so you have. Let's go. Back in time, managers, players, and the championship. Championship. In West Brom's first season in the championship in 2006-2007, who was their first loss against? You might get this. The first win was against. Something gave teams to win the championship then. Yeah, I've just remembered it goes to me, so I'm now. No. Coventry. No, it wasn't. It goes no. to Coventry. If he pulls this one out, if he pulls this one out, I'm leaving. If he pulls this one out, I'm going, finishing my shift, going to get a Euro Millions ticket. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Not coming, not coming back. Um, yeah, Christ. Okay, come on. Championship. I'll go. Ah, uh, no. The, the guess I was going to go, I'm not sure they were in the champ. Sorry, just. I've got to double check uh, this as well because I don't think it is actually right. It's taking a lot of time here. Do you reckon he's Googling? <laughs> no, hands are here. Oh, I see him. <laughs> don't worry. He's, um, he's not Googling. I'll go. Charlton. No, it wasn't. Nah. It was. I've got it down as Sunderland, but I'm not sure if they actually went down at that stage. Doesn't matter. We both got it wrong anyway, didn't we? So. Yeah, that's <laughs> both fine. got it wrong. Uh, uh. So two down with three to play. I didn't yes. think of Sunderland, so I don't mind that. So you now have. Coxie, back yeah. in time, players or managers? Um, players, please, TJS. So, out of the 43 players listed on West Brom's uh, on, online, how many of the squad list are foreign? Ooh. Current so, squad. Current squad. So, non-UK? Non-UK. So Ireland would be foreign. That's fine. You don't have to guess, Coxie. I'll go for 10. Goes so over to out, Johnny. So it's out of how many? Out of 43 players. And that's including like youth players and stuff as well, I'm guessing. Cause, yeah, that's like, yeah, that's like, yeah, you're under 21s and reserves. Yeah. 17. No, Coxie was closest. Was it 11. 11. Oh! Was it 11. I like had 11 and then I give up. I was like, there's got to be more than that. Oh! oh I so can't only... Ran out of time. Thought I'd add a couple on. Or add one on. Now, so I can get a draw. Uh, you're just I can get... playing for pride now, Johnny. What's the state of play? State of play not that I'm now, bitter or anything. Like... He's 3-0 up and you're playing for pride. How many's left? Two. Wow, that's it. Then I can see it. In John, in, in I'm throwing defense. the toys out of the pram. I'm gone. <laughs> in Johnny's defence, we didn't no. know closest picked up a point, but um, I'll very much take it. I'll give you the win. One all. I'll give you the win. Well played. Well played. We'll, Let's do we'll save them questions for in the bank, then. Yeah. <laughs> I was just well played. We could do them, but yeah, it makes sense to say. He's kept a clean sheet. It's wow, a good, that's, good win. That's that the main thing. I, to be honest, just Thanks. to sign off, I, I deserve everything to get for. Good questions, TJ Smith. We'll be back next time. Well, I'm trying to uh, Thanks, trying to trying to take the lead again over Coxie. So I'll see you see you next time on the the Baggies Broadcast Quiz. Well, there you go. I deserved that and I got. Although it was uh, it was a fluke. I think if anyone wants to know the lottery numbers or know what their near future holds, I think just give Lewis a DM and he'll probably make you a very rich man. Educated guest, John. Yeah. Educated. Oh, that, uh, we did speak afterwards, didn't we? I think um, we were talking about Darren Moore scoring the winner, weren't we? And uh, yes, I think I, it was. I think yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure I'd seen footage of it quite recently. So it was somewhere there in the, you know, in the grey matter of all the nonsense in my brain. I call you it a liar. Well. I call you a liar. That was a full-on guess. <laughs> wow. Well, we, we 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 recorded uh, without spoiling too much. We recorded two quizzes, didn't we? So you had a you had an instant chance. Yeah, we'll have, to see, we'll have to see how we got on on that. Uh, on that yeah. 
But yeah. let, let me just say, Johnny took that one very seriously. That one, that, that, that comeback <laughs> one after being after being stung. Although you had the big guess, I deserved everything I got. My answers were poor. You know, hold me hands up. What's the, what's the manager say? You know, beaten by the better side on the day. You know, on the day we weren't up to it. Um, but yeah, TJ Smith will be back next week with another quiz where I get a chance for a little bit of revenge over Coxie, chance to take the lead again. Um, but right, we've got questions. We've got one left over from last week, so I'm going to start with that one. Um, so apologies to Dr. Strange for the delay in asking the question. We didn't have time last week. Um, but I'm going to, well, well, me and Coxie can both answer this one. With a fully fit squad, what is our best lineup? Uh, really good question there from Dr. Strange. He's gone Palmer in goal, uh, Furlong, Ajayi, Kiprit, Townsend, Moat, OK, Swift, Phillips, DK, D and Garner. Not too sure the formation he's playing there, but Coxie, <laughs> what would your best lineup be? Oh. Um, off the top of your head, because we've got quite a few questions today. Yeah, okay. Um, go for one fully fit, okay. We'll probably go... both, we'd both say Palmer and goal, wouldn't we? Palmer yeah, I'll say, I'll, I'm just going to say, I'm going to say a 3 4 3. I'm going to say three defenders, wing backs, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, um, yeah. So Palmer and goal, um, back three of, I think, Ajay, Kipra, and Peters. I'll say for... on my on my defence, I'll probably go Ajay, Kipra, Ajay, Bartley, Kipra. Yeah, I yeah. I, I nearly, do. I'm, nothing I against Eric well. Peters. Uh, how he's played, I think he's he's been fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think Bartley's in a bit of form. I think on top form. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, there yeah. we go. There's um, one difference. Well, how are you, how are you putting your midfield? We'll both go. We'll so, both go same system. Put three, four, three. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, Furlong becomes the the right wing back in that. Um, and well, I suppose we're talking about current. And I, I, I'd go Yukushla and and Moa at the moment. Yeah, agreed. maybe that's hard, maybe agreed. that's harsh on Malumbi. Uh, you know, but at the minute, that's how we see it. Um, Phillips would be my left wing back over Townsend. Yeah, agreed. Um, just, agreed. Just for what he offers going forward, and that. That leaves the front three, doesn't it? I think if everyone was fit, I think I think DK would be my centre forward. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think I think it'd be Wallace, right, and Swift left. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think Diangana probably makes a bit of a run for it, run for one of them money there, but yeah, it's fitting all the men, isn't it? I'd say. So what's that? One difference at the back, um, three four three. Not too dissimilar there to Doctor Strange's lineup, but um, no. Yeah, I think there's only one that D, he's put Diangana in there instead of Wallace. Um, uh, Townsend's in there as well but no really good question really good question uh, we've got a few more and we've got some predictions that we're going to talk about at the end of play today um, right two seconds I've got to get the right uh, the right tweet up here uh, Nate Aldridge any updates on the progress of the recovery of long-term absentee surely we should start to be getting some back in the squad within the next few weeks well Coxie let's just let's just run through them Swift is, is going to be after the international break in November we know that right Daryl DK, as we've said in the Express and Star this morning, is going to be uh, January. Um, Josh Madger, when are we expecting to see um, Josh Madger returning to the side? So jo- Josh Madger was forecast to be out for two months, uh, eight weeks, as of uh, that Bristol City stalemate where he got injured late on. And Probably expecting back in this next five run of games, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, that, that was mid-September. I, I, I was off, but it was something like the 16th, I think. Um, so obviously that... That puts him in the middle of November, which frustratingly is kind of right on that international the start break. of the next international yeah. break. So whether we international breaks, I wish they just go away. Oh, <laughs> honestly, can we do a forty-minute rant about that? Oh, um, so whether we see any sign of magic before the break or have to wait to the the other side of it, like Swift remains to be seen. Obviously, when we next week to Carlos Corbran, which is this week prior to Plymouth. Um, I'm very happy to say uh, we'll, we'll get you know we'll get a latest on on all of the names actually mm-hmm. and bring obviously a more up to date update there. But um, I just wonder with Magic, given the context of it all and and that whether they're just uh, on the side of caution. So whether yeah. it would be more that late November startup again, we'll yeah. see. Je- Jeremy Samianto. So he was um, he was forecast. A few weeks, wasn't it? Was it a month? I think it was four weeks from I'm trying to remember the game now, Johnny, that he uh, he first missed out on uh, with. Um, it was the, the Sheffield Wednesday midweek 1-0 win, uh, having having come on later Preston. So um, it's something, and, and, and that was October the 3rd for reference. So if we're working on the timescale of that month, somewhere around the start of November is what 
what was sort of originally put to us and and expected. Um, so that puts him, yeah, that puts him in this run of five games, actually, sort of midway through it. Albion welcome Hall, certainly to the Hawthorns, um, sort of midway, rather well, the fourth of, of that five run of games. So it would be a boost if Sarmiento was readily, ready and available, I would say, for for at least a couple of these games. Yeah, Adam Reach as well, obviously one that goes under the radar with sort of opinions from Albion fans, but he's been out since... I think, uh, where were we at? Burton Albion, I think he picked up his injury oh, in the summer. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, you say it under the radar and mixed mixed opinions. Carlos Corbrand said on a couple yeah. of occasions how, Rachel, how well he thought Reach would have uh, would have coped in, you know, as a wing-back in this, obviously, role that Phillips is doing just as another option to to rotate in and out and offer breathers. Obviously, Reach quite happy going forward as as well as defensively. Um, as you say, Johnny, he, he injured um, his thigh. Uh, actually, last season um, opted against surgery, so that um, but the you know worked hard to get back for the friendlies and, and was doing well by all accounts. Certainly in the behind closed doors friendlies to start, got a few goals, didn't he? But uh, really felt it again at Burton friendly there, yeah. and the the outcome of that was to have that surgery, which which gave a time scale of four months, and that was late July August time. So kind of. You know, de- December time, really Christmas, I think, at best for Reach, which, you know, a, clearly only a squad player, but you know, uh, as a squad player that can do a few roles, you can be useful on occasion. So, you know, it will be, it will be useful when he's back and available. Hopefully, his rehabs are progressing smoothly post post off. Yeah, uh, Clint McCormick's got in touch with a, an interesting question on the the Coventry City ticket prices, which we're all uh, pretty gassed about. Um, we can all agree that Coventry charging thirty seven pounds is too much. However, it's four more than last season when Albion took four and a half thousand fans um, to the what's it called uh, uh, CBS Arena. CBS. Yeah, uh, uh, one of them silly names. Uh, with a distance slash time it takes, it's still going to be cheaper than the following ten away games. Do you think some fans are cutting off their nose to spite their face? It's a really interesting point Clint makes there because um, I think when we look at, at ticket prices and this is this is in nowhere any defence of Coventry's ticket prices we sort of generally just look at the price don't we, we don't look at the travelling and, and I imagine you know he's, he's right what he's saying there it's going to be probably overall cheaper to get to Coventry um, and back than the, the following 10 away games however I think it's just the principle around it for me of charging £37 yeah. for a championship game i think there's for me ticket prices needs looking at i think the premier league deserve immense credit for a few years ago i won't say that a lot but a few years ago capping away ticket prices at 30 pound um but i think there needs to be a structure in place from the from the authorities where whereby for home games and away games that games need to be not capped but there needs to be a certain parameter that you can't go over 37 pounds mm-hmm. for a championship game i'm sorry is ridiculous it's ridiculous especially you know and i know clubs have got to make you know ticket prices helps with the clubs but it, you know it should be capped at 30 away tickets should be capped at 30 pound and say for example home the best home tickets capped i don't know 35 40 pounds for certain clubs i don't know albion we're, we're in a really good position on this because albion have always been really good with ticket prices um you know there's been some times where i've gone before I was sort of reporting on football league games, where I've gone to Shrewsbury Town, for example, and I've paid more to go and watch League Two One football than I have to go to Albion. So Albion have always been, I've always kind of read the room in that situation. But I just, for me, it's the principle. I don't know what you think, Coxie. You know, it's not, it's not dismissing the sum of money because thirty-seven pound. That's what that's what it all boils down to. But I think it's just the principle of, of, of thirty-seven pound. Yeah. It's just for championship football. I'm sorry, it's just it's ridiculous. But I, I I also get what Clint is saying there. You know, in the the whole picture. But yeah, it's the principle of it more than the the, the sum almost. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with with all of that. I mean, just for the record, Albion are setting a standard at the moment, aren't they? In the the West Midlands and probably the wider Midlands when it comes to the ticket prices and obviously re- reaping the rewards for good numbers, good average age of you know, home fans being right down to, you know, good healthy number of under 18s. The it's kids for a quid, isn't it? I uh, think I'm right in saying from top of my head. Um, after realising the average age of the supporters at the Hawthorns was was creeping up to a to a point where you'd be concerned about 58. It was the um, and I've, you know, 
not not in the slightest one, you know, don't sound ages or anything like that. But clearly, the club look at that and want to get the fans of tomorrow in through the door, and they've they've managed to do that with the price and structure. So credit there. I think mentioned Warsaw in this podcast already, haven't we? I think um, more expensive season ticket down the Bescot, is it? I think probably. Um, I remember the, the being quite quite an outrage to Warsaw season ticket prices this season. So that says a lot. Um, just on Cov, I. I, I like you understand what Clint's saying there. Um, sent the message in, but yeah, but we can't. Yeah, so Cov can't just take advantage and liberties from the fact that people are only coming from an hour away. So put it up to whatever price, you know, thirty-seven pound. That just doesn't work like that. You can't. Oh, they're only coming from down the road, so we can put another tenner on the ticket price. I don't get or agree with that at all. Um, you know, take advantage of the locality. I don't think it's fair um you know that they're obviously thinking well it's only down the road so loads are going to come so we'll mm. chance our arm in making a, a few quid i don't know um like i said in my comment pieces they're not alone uh other teams in the league have priced more for other games i think i've seen i think but, leeds um, were looking at Le- weren't leeds looking at like 40 odd quid before it, i think it got changed one. I, I think i heard qpr was a bad one was it whether, whether qpr was the away side or whether it was at loftus road or kyan prince stadium i can't quite yeah. remember, but yeah, certainly Leeds. Um, but look, it's um, yeah, something clearly needs to to be done there. Authorities, like you say, whether it's um, political or you know high-reaching fan groups can can get involved. It's if we're not careful. Uh, I said, and again, I said in the comment piece, you know, it's the cost of living. You know, people can't afford to do things. Um, things are going to spiral out of control, and people aren't aren't going to be able to go to these things. Eventually, people in the end. I think eventually, in the end, the clubs will the clubs will be the one that, that or some clubs will be the ones that suffers because you know people will stay away and there's there's other reasons why people might start to you know stay away. We we, we yeah. saw a lot in the press this weekend about um, US owners in in uh, in UK football want to do away with the 3 p.m. blackout, which is around to protect you know 3 p.m. games and attendances and yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's going to get to a might almost get to a tipping point. I just want to come on to another question. Thanks for your question, Clint, and uh, and the other ones that we've had. The last player I'd go in touch with a, a question. Things went wrong for us against the against the Blues after the atrocious penalty decision. Even Carlos Corbrand talked about this effect in the players. This suggests a mentality issue and one dating back a long time. How does Carlos address this? But it seems to be inbuilt into the squad. Now, I read this question this morning, and it's a, point, it's a good point, and... I, for one, have, have really questioned the mentality of Albion's players in this this last sort of two, three years, you know, under Val and under Steve Bruce and maybe at times last season under Carlos Corbran. But for me, I don't think this particular issue with the penalty and it changing the game is, is sort of a mentality issue, which is um, individual to or unique to West Brom. How many times have we seen games in our lifetimes where one team has been on top, a decision has gone against them and the tide of the game turns um I, I off the top of my head i can't pick any but i have watched games like that in the past mm. um so i think for all the sort of um questions uh, and things we can throw at albion from a mentality point of view in, in recent times i don't think this game quite one of them from my point of view i don't know what you think coxie yeah i mean i you know i agree with the question there in, in terms of corban did say like it affected us emotionally the players at half time were really yeah rightly down and frustrated about it yeah clearly in an ideal world it shouldn't be an issue and you should be able to rise above and, and get over that blues are a, a decent side aren't they i don't personally don't think they're as good as albion um player wise or i was going to say manager wise but they've had a, a change down there haven't they um i think their manager might get a game for us at the moment given the fact that we're yeah. struggling in the attendance department well, yeah quite um but i, I um <laughs> yeah I, I actually thought, I've said on the pod before, haven't I? I, I thought um, in the balance of the game, it certainly wasn't a 3-1 defeat. I thought for large parts, Albion looked the, the better team for me and moved the ball better, looked better with the ball. Don't get me wrong, means nothing if you haven't created enough to score. But I, I don't think Albion, like Johnny's just been touched at there, I don't, I don't think Albion sort of lost their heads fully because they're still able to play some some yeah. decent stuff. I oh, and we're arguably the better side over the night. Over the night, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last but, week. but but uh, an issue that's maybe not been around as much this season, certainly f- from last season and the last few, you'd say, uh, 
just creating enough and being clinical enough with it. Uh, the only real chance off the top of my head came to the right back furlong. You know, you can't you can't sort of criticise him too much for missing that. Yes, he should have got it on target, but yeah, it's not his primary job to be a top finisher, is it? And sort of yeah, just need that. Whether it's positioning in the box, whether it's delivery, it's just you need to make more of when you when you're playing well. Um, on that occasion, but th- this season Albion have scored their fair share, haven't they? And um, by and large, made enough chances. I'm sure that's a department to in- to improve in. Um, look, you make more chances, you haven't got to be as clinical. If you if you make five clear chances, you know, only have to score one or two to win a game, don't you? But if you're making only one or two in a game, it really puts a lot of pressure on those moments. So, yeah, um, it's a good question. Um, those those emotionally affecting quotes were were interesting. I think part of how Corbrand coaches um, on a day to day basis, it, it's it's not all out on the field. It's heavily classroom related. It's a lot of meetings and talking, and he will speak intently about the the psychological and the mental side of it. I know he does to the group, to players individually. So if he sees... Do we know if Albion have got... You know, we, we hear about sports psychologists and stuff, just on a, on a tangent. Do we know if Albion... You know, Corbran has added to his backroom team with a, a handful of additions. You know, we talked about one last week. But from a psychological yeah. point of view, is that something that Albion have in the building or, or have it's at a their good disposal? Um, not, not anything that I'm aware of, certainly in, in, in any full-time role, Johnny. But... Um, Certainly something we can we can look to find. I would out. imagine a manager like Corbran will be, you know, all over that side. Yeah, be, you know. I think he's well versed in it himself, to be honest. Uh, but whether they do bring in, you know, sort of external third parties yeah. on that would would be interesting. But I I know um, through what I've heard and what players have said, and and indeed what the Spaniard has said himself, he placed a lot of importance on, you know, players being mentally right, and he spent he goes delves into the most detail you could ever imagine about an Albion player's career and their game and their life. So yeah, he would be all over how they're, you know, how they're feeling and how they are sort of mentally, because it is a huge part of, you know, if players are hundred percent fitness, but feels you know, low and in a bad way, sort of mentally, it's, it's not going to work, is it? So it's a big part of it. And uh, hopefully, yeah, that was an extreme, wasn't it blues? It was that, that decision was an extreme example. Um, and Albion won the look having started by far the better team, would have felt very unjust. It would have felt very unjust to the players. So, yeah, we hope it's just one bad example of an extreme example. Yeah. Superb stuff. Right. We're almost out of time on this week's Baggies broadcast, but Coxie put a shout out for some predictions for the, the next five games, the little run before the that international break. So we've got Plymouth at home on Saturday, then QPR comes to the Hawthorns on the following Tuesday. Then it's Coventry away, as we said, on the Monday, uh, live on TV. Hull comes to the Hawthorns and then the uh, the, the five-game mini-run finishes off with a trip to Russell Martins, Southampton, before um, we all have another boring couple of weeks. So we've gone out. Albion fans have got back. There's quite a few of you on their predictions. So we'll go. I'll, I'll rattle through these. Um, so Coxie has asked, how many points should Albion achieve? How many points do you think Albion will achieve? And then me and Coxie will give our predictions at the end. So Alistair Jones has said, I think we should get eight. And I think that is what we will get. All Albion fans, I think we should achieve nine. Um, I'm worried we'll get seven or less. And he'd give a bit of a breakdown. Plymouth three, QPR three, uh, Cov none, Hull three, Southampton none. Given the fact we've just talked about score predictions, I hope we get three at Coventry. Um, there we go. WBA Renault has said, should achieve 10 points, win three games, and draw away, but I think we'll get eight beat Plymouth and QPR, draw with Coventry and Hull, which would still be a good return. Dylan Tompkins, 10, I think, would be a good return. Don't think we have a good record against Russell Martin. Hope we can break it. Um, a fan has said, should get 10, think we will get eight. And then short and sweet answers here. Evan WBA, seven. Rob Williams, seven. I should short and sweet. Coxie, what uh, what are you thinking? I've had to think about this. I've changed my mind about three times, but uh, yeah. start yourself. Give me a bit more thinking time. There are two numbers I can't quite decide between Johnny. I think um, I I think Albion should. I think Albion will win these two Saturday, Tuesday, Plymouth, QPR. I I back them to do that. I, I can see a draw at Cough. You know, on a, on a night game, I can see it being tight. Now this Hull at home um, 
is an interesting one, is that I can't decide between well, a win a win in that game and a clean sweep of the three home games or another or a draw there. It feels optimistic. I mean, I've been feel they should win every home game. So it sort of pulls me towards ten. Um but I'm then I'm then going a, a defeat at Southampton. I mean that Southampton haven't started brilliantly, have they? But there's still a, a bit of an embarrassment of riches for for this level, really, and should be doing a hell of a lot better. Obviously, under Russell Martin, will play a certain way, um, and it wouldn't surprise me too much if Albion went and drew that. But I've I've had it down as a defeat, the only defeat of those five, and I I am just going to lean towards the whole game being a draw, which is which is eight, two wins, two draws, and a defeat. Um, <laughs> if I was feeling a bit more glass half full this morning, I'd say ten, but yeah, I'll stick with eight. Yeah, I'm going to go with eight, but with a little bit of a different thought. I, I think you're right. I think we'll beat Plymouth, we'll beat QPR. And I think we'll draw with Hull at home. I think Hull are in a really good position. Uh, Lee Machine has gone a little bit under the radar up there uh, um, mm-hmm. in the north. I think one of the wins will either come at Coventry or Southampton, and I wouldn't bet against it coming at Southampton. I say that because, you know, I think Albion can be, they're going to have to be defensively drilled at St Mary's. But I can see Albion getting something there. I really can. You know, we didn't expect Albion to go and blow away Preston. And like you said, Southampton compared to Preston. All right, Preston have got a better record at the moment in terms of form, but and there is an embarrassment of riches. But I've just I've watched Southampton a couple of times. I've watched them against Chef playing Sunderland. I think it was Sunderland, where Sunderland yeah. blew them away. Yeah. Um and I just think Albion could be a, a team one. to sort of bide their time, hit on the break. Um, you know, Russell Martin, don't get me wrong, play some good stuff, overplays probably at times. But I don't know where the, the third win will come in that run, but I think it could be Coventry. I think it could be Southampton. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, so I'm going to say 10 as well, three wins. I'm going to say three wins and a draw um, and a defeat. Um, but yeah, 10 points, I think it'll be a very good return heading into that break. Um, thanks for your questions, RB fans. Thanks for your responses to our predictions there. Um, we're almost out of time. I just want to read out, uh, want to read out an email, a really nice email that we received back um, a few weeks ago now. Um, now, as Baggy's fans have seen, we had a lot of guests on over the last few years, and we had a really good series in the summer. Um, one the previous summer, and one in the, the World Cup break. We've had Tony Pulis on already this year, and we're hoping to bring you a former Albion player in the November international break. We're just trying to tie up a few loose ends on that one. But as uh, as fans, well, and as Coxie knows, um, we've had probably about ten or twelve guests on in the in the last year or so. We've probably fired off about eighty emails to people who've got. Or, or phone calls, etc. People who've got links to Albion, um, and those are the only ones that have sort of replied, and we've been able to tie down. But um, I just want to let you know, a few a few weeks ago, probably a couple of months ago now, actually, I got in touch with a former Albion chairman, Paul Thompson, who was at the helm at, at the Hawthorns when Albion were promoted to the Premier League back in 2002. Um, probably the younger Albion fans, that name will mean nothing, but he, he played a big part in Albion's um, recent sort of history uh 99 i think he came in uh when things were sort of a bit of a low ebb come in um uh, was there through the sort of gary megson era um and ultimately le- he left albion just a few days after they'd been promoted to the premier league in 2002 uh there was a lot of i think reading back differences with gary megson at the time i think it was over recruitment but i sent an email off to paul managed to get a, an email for him he's from the from the um the Yorkshire area managed to get in touch with a, one of the companies that he's, he's still involved in. And he sent me a, a really nice email back that I want to share with you, Baggies fans. Um, he said, many thanks for getting in touch. It's over 20 years now since I was privileged to be chairman of West Bromwich Albion and to lead the club into the Premier League in 2002. Fantastic times. The East Stand and the training ground stand as tributes to what John Wilde, chief executive and former Albion player, and my co-directors and I achieved during just three years from 1999 to 2002, along with promotion to the Premier League in 2002. John Wilde did an amazing job, which I, which is underappreciated by many West Brom fans. Barry Hurst also did a great job for the club as a director, as did Clive Stapleton. The passage of time dims the memory. And as much as I appreciate the invitation after more than 20 years passing, I unfortunately feel I can't accept your invitation at the present time. Good luck with the podcast. West Bromwich Albion is a wonderful football club. And along with all Baggies fans, I'm hoping for a return to the Premier League before too long. Take care. Best wishes, Paul Thompson, which uh, I just wanted to share with you, Baggies fans, because he was a big part of Albion's recent history. Um, 
and yeah, it would have been nice to get him on and talk about all that. And I know he left under a bit of a cloud with with Gary Megson and falling out, but I thought it was really nice. And I wanted to share that with you. But hopefully we'll have another guest in the next international break. Um, we're in some discussions at the moment. If there's anyone in particular you'd like to see on the Baggies broadcast, do uh, do tweet in. I'll get in touch and we'll see we'll see what we can do. We've managed to get some guests on that we thought we'd never have a chance of getting on. And on the on the flip side, there's some guests we thought would be shooing to uh, who didn't want to come and talk to us. Unfortunately, we'll share some stories with you on that one day. But uh, there we go. We're just out of time. Um, Coxie, I'll see you back in person at the Hawthorns on Saturday, as I will see you Baggies fans as well. Um, and a good run and a return from these five games that we've talked about coming up. And Albion could well be in the uh, in the playoff places come uh, the November international break so have a great week baggies fans um, if you want to get involved in thursday's fan chat show we've still got a few places on offer get in touch with me on social media johnny Drury underscore start and i'll get back to you we'll be back next week um post qpr where hopefully we'll be reflecting on a back-to-back wins and a really good return to uh, proper football as me and coxie have called it but thanks for listening and as always and until next time from me and from coxie boy 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 boy